Hello and welcome to the Field Guides. I'm Bill and I'm here with Steve. Good morning, Steve. Please, call me Master. <laughs> Master Steve. <laughs> well, I just got a piece of paper in the mail from, from the PhD program that I'm in at the University of Buffalo. Oh, okay. Granting me a master's degree. I didn't ask for it. <laughs> so from now on, we will call you Master Steve. Right, but also today, I signed the papers for my house, so I will also be a master of my own house. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this today. So what, in the past year, you've gotten your master's, a house, and you've gotten engaged. And I've ended up in the ER two times in the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite an eventful year. I, I know, it's been intense. You just have to get COVID and then it'll... <laughs> I know, or Lyme, <laughs> maybe more common. <laughs> All right, what we're gonna do today, and over the course of many future episodes, is give the listeners the experience of what it's like to be in the woods, in the field, and on the trail. Each month, we pick a natural history topic, research the science behind that topic, and then get you out to a natural spot to share with you everything that we've learned. And this natural spot is right next to a baseball diamond. <laughs> <laughs> this but is it's a, a nice spot. This is a town park. This is the J.P. Nicely Town Park in my hometown of West Falls. So we're just around the corner from my house. This was a convenient place to record because Steve does not have much time because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead of working on the podcast he should be working on his new house and moving because you're like, like moving today right yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah we signed the papers at 11:30 this morning <laughs> <laughs> and it is 7:30 right now yeah folks we are here in late June uh, you mm -hmm. can hear all the bird sounds uh, my daughter Violet is up the trail picking black raspberries mm -hmm. uh, they are ripe here in western New York we might hear the sounds of some young birds. Like I'm hearing a crow call up there. And Definitely a crow. I was yeah. hearing. Um, but I'm wondering if that's cardinals. a young crow. Oh. My mind is trying to make that the call of a young crow. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I didn't pick up on what you were trying to do here, but take it. This is uh, this episode is going to have something to do with young crows. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to give people the sense that we are here at the beginning of summer. Uh, the woods around us is very lush. Uh, we're here relatively early in the morning. It's about eight o'clock right mm -hmm. but we are here today to talk about an animal that we act just actually might find really because so often the topic we pick we go to a spot to hopefully see it or hear it and it never happens yeah right? I right. mean and arguably sometimes we don't want to see it like like a although I don't know the black bear episode would have. I mean it would have been cool oh, to see one but they're not all that scary but, <laughs> I yeah. just have to run faster than Steve <laughs> yeah right. right I think it's possible <laughs> all right so Today, we're gonna to start off with a story and I'm gonna go way back to my nature center days. Mm. But why don't we walk a little bit? Sure. All right. I'm gonna go back to one of the first programs I did with Boy Scouts. Okay. And I just wanna start off by saying, I'm not here to pick on the Boy Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> it's too easy. Right, right. <laughs> but I'm, more, I'm more of a Girl Scout <laughs> guy. Not just for the cookies, but I, I think their program's a lot more inclusive and all that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. I was super excited to share a program called Cold-Blooded Critters with snakes and turtles, stuff like that. And just as I was about to get started, this kid raises his hand, doesn't wait for me to call on him, and says, do you know that daddy longlegs are the most poisonous spider in the world, but their fangs are too small to get through our skin? Right, I think we've all heard that growing up. Right. Yeah. So I'm like looking around at the troop leaders like, where the heck did this come from? And they're all just <laughs> sitting there like nodding like, uh-huh, yeah. Because <laughs> they like, heard it too, yeah. <laughs> but it had nothing to do with what I, I was getting ready to talk about. So I said, okay, thanks, and just moved on. Didn't really think of it again, but the next Boy Scout, and I swear to God, the next three Boy Scout programs I did, kids mentioned this to me. Oh my gosh. It was just 
I don't know, part of the Boy Scout group knowledge in the, whatever area I was working in. So eventually I just started asking at Boy Scout programs because I knew it was going to come up. But mm. like you said, it seems to be something that a lot of people have heard. Oh yeah, I wasn't in the Boy Scouts and I heard it. But then again, for all I know, I'm friends with a bunch of people in Boy Scouts and they told me. So Now, when I was doing these programs, this was pre-internet days. Mm -hmm. So I did try to look through books to find out the answers. I talked to other naturalists. I could never find a conclusive answer. And did you know that they actually covered this on the, the program Mythbusters? Uh, am I remembering this right? Did one of them stick their hand in a tank full of daddy long legs or something and wait for you know them what? to bite it? I haven't seen it. I just saw references to that they covered it in 2004. Okay, I saw some video where, where someone stuck their hand into a tank of them or something. Do you know the answer? Are, I, da are daddy long legs the most poisonous spider? I mean, I wouldn't call anything that bites you poisonous. Uh, <laughs> I right, would well, probably they're... say venomous. Where my mind goes to is no, they're not, and they can't, but <laughs> honestly, I don't really actually remember the answer. All right, we're going to get to the bottom of the answer okay. today, but if listeners out there, if you do know the answer, stick around because this isn't just going to be about addressing this claim. Uh -huh. It's really going to be delving into the animals we call daddy long legs. Okay, and, and in, in, all, in all honesty, I'm so interested where this episode's going <laughs> because first we started with baby crows. Now we're talking about daddy long legs. <laughs> so I want to know how these two stories come together. <laughs> the crows have nothing to do with it. <laughs> oh, then why did you even point it out? Is it because you're bird banding right now and you're thinking about young birds? I was bird banding yesterday and we just started to get uh, this year's young. Oh, okay. So they're definitely on my mind. So the young bird thing, is, it's not going to tie into the episode? It is not at all. Okay. I was just setting the stage for the listener. <laughs> got yeah. it. Got it. <laughs> all right. So I do want to address the claim, but we got to say that first, there's a few ambiguous points in there. And you touched on the one I wanted to talk about first, and that is the difference between poisonous and venomous, right? Uh-huh. But let's say if you ate something that was poisonous, or sorry, if you ate something that was venomous and got poisoned, would it be poisonous? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you almost you almost uh, stepped on a on a toad. Ah. You just missed it. American toad, right? I think so. All right, now hang on. We're going to pick it up. Bufo americana? No, bufo. Bufo americanus. That sounds right. So I'm going to hold it up to the mic. I got it. Do you hear anything? I hear nothing. I hear nothing. So that tells us it's a what? Do females not call? I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't know. <laughs> it's, it's all guessing on my end. It's doing that throat thing. Like you could tell it's like throat is moving in and out. That's breathing. It's just normal breathing? <laughs> so come on, you, we've talked about this before. If you're holding it, now folks, I'm grabbing it on either side of its abdomen. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of uh, replicating amplexus if it was a male trying to grab on to mate. Oh. And this individual is not making any noise, mm -hmm. which means it's a... Garrett. Very good, violet nose. Good, see, I was I, my guess was the exact opposite. <laughs> so males, you grab them on either side of their abdomen, males are gonna chirp. No way. And make a vibration. It's called a release call, right? I had no idea. Because if a male grabs onto a male and tries to mate, he's barking up the wrong tree. Oh. Yeah. So if he hears a release call, he knows, oh, I got a boy. Got it. But if he doesn't hear anything, he knows he has a female and hmm. he may proceed. Very interesting. So, yeah. So this is a little girl. We're going to send her along. I shouldn't say a Gosh, I hope in five episodes we have to make a correction about that. I should <laughs> say. Because that sounds crazy to me. Really? But, I, I, but I believe it. I don't know. 
Because you're telling me, and I feel like you usually look into these things that sound pretty crazy, but... But a lot of these things that I accept and, you know, I've said this for years, I find out later on, that's totally wrong. Right, right. Um, and now it's happening away perfectly fine. And also, uh, Bill touched the toad, right? Yeah. But, uh... It's pretty safe. Wipe it on Steve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I'm gonna get a uh, warts, right? Right. Yeah. Obviously they don't get they don't give warts. <laughs> no. Right. But this actually works for what we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have baby crows, American toads, right. Right. and daddy long. And daddy legs. long legs. Okay. But toads, they can be considered poisonous. Oh really? Let's back up a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so you were making the point. There's a difference between poisonous and venomous, venomous yeah. and you were wondering if you ate something venomous, <laughs> could it be poisonous? <laughs> Would it be considered poisonous? Right. <laughs> All right. So let's define our terms here. Uh-huh. So a poisonous plant or animal produces a chemical that's toxic to other organisms. Mm -hmm. The important point is something that is poisonous, it delivers that passively. Okay. So think of a poison dart frog, mm -hmm. right? It needs to be touched or eaten. Yeah. Some poisonous plants or animals, the poison could be inhaled. A toad could be considered poisonous because the the glands on the top of its body, it does coat it mm -hmm. in a mild toxin. Okay. Now, venomous, animals that are venomous, they have glands that produce toxin, mm -hmm. and then they have ducts to convey that venom, usually through hardened structures. Like a, fangs are yeah. a, oh my God. Sometimes I come off like an idiot, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Sometimes. Because I, well, yeah, a lot of times I come off like an idiot, and it's because I overthink things. Yes. And I was just wondering, because I've seen snake fangs before. Right. And they do look a little bit different than teeth. They are. They're not teeth, right? Or are they they're teeth? They're specialized teeth. Okay, so yeah. they're a really strange if type of If you remove uh, snake's fangs. Yeah, and I've seen people like extract venom from snake fangs. Right. And it, those don't look like anything like our teeth. And in fact, when I think about rep, <laughs> like reptiles, <laughs> I don't think about them having teeth like we have teeth, but... They have teeth. W uh, well, do... Um, Say like a garter snake. Right, but I still think of... Those are like little fangs, right? No. Really? They just have teeth? Now, I don't know if they're technically <laughs> exactly the same as our teeth. Okay. But yes, right. a garter snake's teeth, I'm uh -huh. doing air quotes, aren't the same thing as fangs. Fangs are for transporting and injecting the venom. Okay. So if you remove a snake's fangs, it's not going to be able to inject its venom into you. Yeah, and, and guys, forgive me, I'm not a herpetologist. <laughs> I really only know about... I'm not one either. I only really know about plants, and the only plant that I know with fangs is uh, Nepenthes bicalcarata, <laughs> which is the, the fanged pitcher plant in Borneo. But obviously it's not injecting anyone. In right. fact, I think those have extra floral nectaries on them, so that is good stuff coming out of the fangs, not bad stuff coming out of the fangs that ants like. So. And when you say fangs for that plant, yeah. it's, again, in quotes. <laughs> I'm doing the quote. You can't hear the quote. I'm trying to do it really close to the mic so you can hear the <laughs> as I'm as I'm making the air quotes but so let me say that again <laughs> sure, because I think I think I'm all over the place today I think I'm, I'm driving us off the rails no no this is good because <laughs> I think this is important for we're working it out right but again venomous animals they have these ducts to convey venom through hardened structures for hypodermic introduction Right. into the target organism. So you're injecting this stuff like under the skin. Right, and yeah. so that's the important distinction to make. Poisonous 
is usually passive. Mm -hmm. It needs to be touched, inhaled, eaten. Mm -hmm. Whereas venomous is actively injected via fangs, stingers, spine, some other biological apparatus. Got it. You, it requires a wound to deliver, let's call it the death juice. Okay. Got it. Or you could call it the sleepy juice or the paralyzing juice or <laughs> oh, whatever you God. want. Right? <laughs> and this goes to the, what you said before, like a venomous animal. If you took snake venom and just put it on your skin, yeah. you would probably have no reaction. <laughs> it needs to be injected. I don't want to say you definitely wouldn't. <laughs> right. Right. And don't go around doing yeah, this. Yeah, please don't do that. Folks. Okay. So if we're looking for a correct catch-all term, okay. we could say toxic. An animal or plant that has a negative effect on a target organism is toxic mm -hmm. but to complicate things even further <laughs> whether an animal is poisonous or venomous the effects aren't universal right what's uh, toxic yeah. to a blue jay is not necessarily toxic to a bear a bee or a birch tree you know and i especially think about that when i think of a poisonous because there's a bunch right. of fruits that would poison not ivy be, <laughs> well yeah yeah poison ivy wouldn't be good for humans right but birds eat the fruits all the time actually right. do the fruits have the urethral they do in them okay yeah. so and birds are just fine with that right right and yeah. really most animals deer and, and rabbits feed on poison ivy heavily yeah right i saw one article that referred to poison ivy as the salad bar of the forest for most animals wow <laughs> but humans are the ones that have that negative effect all right so poison ivy is a good example of a technically poisonous plant but it's not poisonous to everything not universal right another example with venomous trapdoor spiders and garden spiders oh trapdoor spiders they do Those have cool. venom mm -hmm. and it can have a negative effect on many insects so the effect in insects is toxic but a bite from them would have no effect on us got it so it's not poisonous not toxic to us right and i think the imp most important distinction to make is that poisonous is usually passive whereas venomous is usually is actively delivering it through some type of hardened structure okay now it's the rare animal that doubles that down on the toxicity scale and is both poisonous and venomous hmm. so the blue ringed octopus it has a venomous beak so if it bites something it can deliver venom but it's also poisonous if it's swallowed hmm. so the one article that i was reading it said don't with a blue ringed octopus <laughs> <laughs> yeah so getting back to the claim about daddy long legs that we started with okay that they're the most poisonous spider in the world okay we have to immediately ask well poisonous to whom right, right. since this so claim proper. is usually shared among humans let's assume they're talking about us okay, okay? right right I, you, you tend to think subjectively about humans yeah, anyway right. so hear that yeah you remember what it is hold on is it a member of the thrush family? It is. Is it a viri? It is. Very okay. good, Steve. I had to hear it again. <laughs> I, I just wasn't sure. So, folks, it has that descending musical trill. Veer, 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 veer. But, but like the hermit thrush and the wood thrush, it's almost like it's got those two vocalizations kind of going on at the same time. Oh, that's like a good the, way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also, when I picture this one, I picture it as kind of like a tornado swirling down for some reason. It's sure. like... Yeah. <laughs> a solo duet yeah because they have that um spherinx right where we have a larynx right oh. and, and that's why they can produce those weird double vocalizations that humans can't really copy that sounds good i haven't heard that in years but it's ringing a bell dick walton <laughs> talked about that on the birding by ear the peterson's birding by uh, ear cds okay so that's why i i, uh, I remember oh, it but good memory yeah. right. 
And I don't know who Dick Walton is other than the guy that narrated that, that CD. For all I know, he's like a well-known naturalist or an absolute nobody, but Dick Walton, I, I've heard his name so many times now. He's horribly racist. Is he seriously? No, I'm just kidding. In all honesty, though? <laughs> I know nothing about him. He might be. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Daddy Long Legs. Yeah. Are they poisonous or venomous? Well, before we answer that, we have to ask what animal are we talking about? Because Daddy Long Legs can refer to three different kinds of animals. Oh, gosh. Are they all in the same order anyway? No. Because I know no. when I was doing entomology work, daddy long legs, we never like keyed down to anything specific. We only put them in the order, which is like opilones yeah. or something. Good. It's something like that, but I, I, I haven't said it in Opiliones. four years. Apiliones, okay. Yeah. So what we're gonna and get to that's the order. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I should say, this is the problem with common names, right? Right. Daddy long legs could refer to many different things, but in most uh -huh. of my research, there's really three main ones that are called daddy long legs got it so let's look at the first one what, what a horrible name though <laughs> like something about it i'm i'm just not comfortable what, with you think it sounds dirty or something yeah <laughs> i've heard i've heard linda call you daddy <laughs> it could be traced back to some children's Irvin story the, oh. no 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 from the 17 or 1800s man children's stories used to be a lot worse than they are today pretty twisted some people think better though like uh, the old grim fairy tales and stuff those were like oh, dark yeah very dark so this is going to be a little quiz for you the oh, first gosh. culprit that, that it could be okay. if we're in england canada or southeastern u.s okay there's an animal called daddy long legs by some people it's in the family tapulidae wait tapulidae yeah this should ring a bell it, i know it rings a bell tapulidae <laughs> think of wayne gall you did oh. an episode with him this past winter. Is it, it's a, is it a, is it a dipterin? Is it a fly? A crane fly. A crane fly. Are, are they dipterins? Crane flies? I don't know. I think they are. <laughs> okay. I, is this, okay. Right. It's a Pula Day. Remember wow. the winter crane fly yeah, you guys yeah. were looking was for? Was that yeah. the last one we, well, like one of the last ones we I came don't across? I remember. Come on. I know. It was more memorable to me, I guess, and I can't remember the name, but yeah. I wasn't there because Steve kind of, kind of invited me at the very last minute. So. Yeah. It was on purpose. I just yeah. like to hang out with Wayne alone. <laughs> he accidentally on purpose invited me at the last Yeah. Minute. Now th that's like the oh, second episode. Oh, you can't make it, Phil. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. It would have been great having you there, but <laughs> I guess Wayne and I can just nerd out together in the woods. So the adults of some crane fly species, they may feed on nectar, but the adults of most species have super short lifespans and they don't even eat at all. Right. Adult crane flies anatomically are incapable of killing or consuming other insects. They are not poisonous or venomous. Right. So the claim does not apply to crane flies. And it, if it is a dipterin, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but do they all have sucking mouth parts too? I know hemipterans do. Yeah, true bugs have sucking mouth parts, right? And they typically don't kill things. Although the assassin bug and uh, the wheel bug, they I've full on seen them with a dead June bug, <laughs> you know, June beetle or whatever. Uh, what, is that June beetle? They are beetles, but June people bug. call them June bugs. Yeah. yeah. I was out doing a botanical survey and there was straight up a wheel bug. This, You've yeah. seen wheel bugs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're these really large invertebrates and they have this sort of wheel structure along their back, like kind of where you would imagine a backbone would be. Yeah if they had backbones <laughs> and, and they have these long like beak-like sucking mouth parts but i've seen dead uh, like i've seen prey on the end of those <laughs> so they clearly are um, predators but how are they killing i don't know how they're killing yeah. i mean i i never really looked into it um see i feel like the more you're talking about this area that we know very little about the more work you're making for me 
in the, the notes. back end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's that's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Crane flies. Sorry. Not poisonous or venomous. Right. So the the claim doesn't apply to them. Now the second culprit refers to a certain group of spiders. I just thought of something. What? <laughs> I've been bitten by horse flies. Okay. So they can clearly do damage. In fact, I've been bitten and a line of blood is like streamed down my arm. Like yes. they can get you really good. So yeah, I guess they're whatever is going on up there near their head can definitely do damage. So I'm sure they can kill. So back to number two. Yeah. This is a specific group of spiders. It's in the family Fulcidae. And they're often just called fulcid spiders. Okay. Commonly, they're often referred to as cellar spiders. These guys mm. have small bodies mm -hmm. and very long legs. Okay. They look very delicate. And when you and I, I know, being here in Western New York, when we talk about daddy long legs, yeah. we're, we usually think of those animals in a pilliones. Yeah. Those, they look like almost like a pill-like body on very long legs. Right. And we're going to talk more about those in a minute. Got it. But... That's a regional idea. Depending on where you live, when you hear the term daddy long legs, okay. you might be thinking of a crane fly. Mm -hmm. Some people think of these fulcids. We're gonna get into the difference between spiders and what apiliones are in just a second. Yeah. So if you find in your house, and these guys usually do hang out within structures, mm -hmm. a spider with extremely long legs and a tiny body, these critters are spiders. They make silk, they have fangs, they have eight eyes, and the big difference is they have that two-part body. So they have the abdomen and the cephalothorax. Their head and thorax are joined together. They're also called house spiders in some areas. Again, that's a common name though. And they are venomous. So in some parts of the world, the claim that daddy long legs are the most poisonous spider in the world, but they have short fangs, probably applied to fulcid spiders. Got it, the, the basement spiders. Are because they are yeah. venomous and they do have short fangs got it okay? until 2019 no one had really looked and studied the toxicity of their venom in this group <laughs> of spiders so 2019 in, in frontiers in ecology and evolution the title of the study was not so dangerous after all <laughs> <laughs> so the result one article referred to it as a big fat pile of meh <laughs> the the venom is full of proteins and peptides it was good at paralyzing crickets hmm. and they said it definitely was worth looking into in terms of what this venom could provide for humans in terms of addressing different health issues because okay. venom is used for different things but the toxicity is negligible for humans and most mammals it's really meant to kill insect prey it's not meant to kill mammalian prey if you're bitten it might you might get a small sting Mm -hmm. And I thought I remembered in one of the references to that Mythbusters episode that they were they did allow Fulcid spiders to bite them, but but I could be wrong hmm. about that. Either way, in the study they did refer to the bite of a Fulcid spider might be a little sting, but you recover quickly and it's really no big deal. Got it. So the final culprit that we're going to talk about it is an arachnid. Now are arachnids spiders? Well all spiders are arachnids but isn't it true that even ticks are arachnids yes yeah so like spiders ticks and might or spiders are just please. one order in arachnida the class yeah okay. so that does include ticks as you just mentioned mm -hmm. as well as scorpions mites and there are other animals in that group yeah i think mites are like one of the biggest groups of 
invertebrates in the world. I'm pretty sure. Why do you keep saying stuff like Sorry. this? Sorry. Because then I have to check it. <laughs> the number of mites is crazy. I'm telling you, from our tick episode, yeah. I remember reading up on this. Okay. Yeah, th there's a surprising number of mites. I'm totally kidding. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what I have here is, so just as a dog is not a human, even though they're both mammals, <laughs> and just like butterflies aren't beetles, uh -huh. because they're both insects, a scorpion is not a spider, even though they're both arachnids, right? I think that's, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So in arachnida, and I, I think I'm probably saying that wrong, there's several lower level divisions called orders. Scorpions are in the order, scorpiones. Spiders are in the order. <laughs> Scorpiones just sounds like the Spanish word for scorpion. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> I don't even know what it is in Scorpiones. Spanish. <laughs> or, or Italian or something, yeah, right, I don't right. know. <laughs> so spiders are in the order Arani. I hope I say that right. Here, Gosh, how would you I say it? Yeah, Aranei. I don't Aranei. know. I don't know. <laughs> and then ticks and mites are in the order Akari. I, I hate how there's not a... Uh, they should be uniform, right? They should all have the same endings to them. I, I don't know. Well, again, we're also in orders here. Yeah. Right? But I would still expect... That's true. Yeah, they should all have the same ending. Now, arachnids, they lack antennae, but they do have a pair of pincer-like jaws. Have you heard of chelicerae? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then they have a pair of short appendages called pedipalps. And those are the ones that kind of look like short legs up near the front of spiders. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people count those by accident. But they just <laughs> like small legs. They're usually used to help feed. And there's four pairs of walking legs. The second, and usually the longest pair, they often function as antennae, waving about to get <laughs> probably chemical and other information around from their environment. Whoa, so they have like chemical receptors? They could, some species. Wow, yes. so so on the, inside, on the insides of our nose, we have chemical receptors, but then also on antennae, there's chemical receptors. And then I guess also on the spider's front legs, there's chemical receptors. So I it's think like, it depends on the species. Okay. Yeah. But I love the idea of them just waving around their noses, right? <laughs> That's such a cool idea. Yeah. So that brings us to the, the final culprit. He is an arachnid. Mm -hmm. This is the one most widely called daddy long legs. Oh, I was going to say harvestman, but that's just because I've heard other people call them that. And I'm wondering if that's where they're not daddy long legs. Maybe people are calling them harvestmen. So we're going to use that term harvestmen just for clarity's sake. And harvest women? Sure. <laughs> you harvest spiders. Har harvest person. Now we're told. No, because they're not people, right? Oh, right. <laughs> now we're getting really confused here. But this is the group, the Apiliones, uh -huh. you, you mentioned before. Right. It's not just here in Western New York that these animals are typically called daddy long legs, these particular animals. Uh -huh. But in wherever you're going to find them, they're most widely called daddy long legs. Again, hmm. they're an arachnid, but not a spider. Here in North America, you're going to find them in forests, but even in gardens, even in the suburbs. They're compact with a small pill-like body with eight, one source said, eight ridiculously long, almost thread-like <laughs> legs. They kind of bounce as they move across the forest floor, and they're often scavenging. They don't make silk. <laughs> One reference said, the only time they're found in webs is if they're being eaten. <laughs> I thought that was an, an amusing way to say uh -huh. it. And they do have just a single body part, not that two-part body that true spiders are gonna have. Right, so and, not so they're, they're pill-like, not double pill-like, like, like spiders. <laughs> well, spiders are like a big pill and then a little pill <laughs> yeah. attached together. If you look closely at a harvestman's body, mm -hmm. Uh, it is segmented, Yeah. whereas a spider's abdomen is not segmented. Mm -hmm. It just looks smooth. 
And unlike a spider that has eight eyes, a harvestman only has two eyes. They're on a <laughs> turret-like structure near the front of the body. Mm. are you okay? Yeah. Okay. You can go ahead down the trail more if you want. It's up to you. All right. As we keep mentioning, this is the order Apiliones. And they're also termed Apilinids. In Europe... Oh, like Arachnid, Apilinid. I mean, Apilinids are Arachnids. They but, are. Yeah. <laughs> Hominids, that's us. Now, I've tried to find out about why they're called harvestmen. This comes from Europe. They seem to be abundant in fields around harvest time. <laughs> I don't know how likely that is, but maybe there's just more people in fields at harvest time. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> seeing them. But Apilion is Latin for shepherd. Hmm. Now, again, I don't know if this story is true, but some have hypothesized that maybe this name was applied to them because apparently in ancient times, shepherds would move about on stilts hmm. so they could monitor their herd. And okay. a daddy long leg, a harvestman, if you think about it, that kind of looks like they're walking on stilts. That's true. <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> now, as of 2017, there were 6,650 species of apilinids. Wow, they're... Uh destroying gymnosperms in terms of their number, about six times more. But at the rate of discovery that's happening, especially in the tropics, it's estimated that the total is probably well over 10,000 species. Wow, okay. Right? Here in the U.S., when you and I imagine a daddy long leg, a harvestman, we're probably picturing one that's in the genus Leobunum. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means. Got it. I was about to ask, so you <laughs> cut me off at the yeah. pass. So typically when we see them around here, they're kind of a, a brown, yeah. reddish brown body, blends in with the leaf litter mm -hmm. uh, with the forest floor. That's probably in the genus, as I said, Leobunum. It'd be so nice if we found one as we were saying that. <laughs> Violet, go find us one. <laughs> hey, Violet, can you find us a daddy long leg? <laughs> <laughs> Did she say no? She said no. She's in that rebellious phase. <laughs> So even though this, there's none here, we got to go off and look into the litter. <laughs> She's a little wary of going off trail. Are we going to give an update to that? Uh, if we have time at the end. Okay, we'll okay. Do that, yeah. Got it. So even though this order of Pileones is dominated by very long-legged species, that's only part of the whole. And we are going to be getting in to other members of this order because, dude, this is fascinating. This is like worth several episodes. Hmm. I was just trying within this episode to get to the bottom of this claim that they're the most poisonous spider. Okay. Right? But it is crazy what's going on with, within this order. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. Okay. But now it is time for us to talk about gum leaf boots. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so gum leaf boots, longtime listeners, you know they are a sponsor of this podcast. Mm -hmm. They contacted us a while back, said, hey, they want to help us out. They want to make people more aware of their boots. Gumleaf USA makes high quality, tall rubber boots. Mm -hmm. They're 85% natural rubber, so they can bend way more than your average rubber boot that may cost less but look the same. But the website says they can bend over 1 million times without cracking. I was about to say, some have said they can bend a million times. And I, I at the very least, I know we've said that in previous episodes. We have. Never been tested, as far uh -huh. as we know, in a yep. lab. Uh, but I was using mine the other day. And often when we're on the podcast, we're like, and Bill has his on, and Steve forgot his in the car. I went on a trip to someplace close to Fredonia, Fredonia New York, so it's a little bit on the, the more western part of New York. Mm -hmm. And we were uh, collecting a number of different ash species, the, these critically endangered ash species. 
And some of the places we went in for specifically like Fraxinus nigra, the black ash, those are found in like wetter areas. And I, I got to use my boots the whole time. Didn't find any ticks on me, by the way. I know we say in low wet areas, they, there tend not to be so many ticks, but you know, there's definitely ticks in the area. No problem with ticks that day. Awesome. And also kept my feet nice and dry. And I was the only one wearing boots that day. So I was <laughs> me and, and, and the guy that was helping us out. We were the only two that had our boots. So we were the ones slogging around in the wetland, but uh, it was great to actually remember to bring them. Uh, so that time. If you want to be the one that people are eyeing up their boots enviously, <laughs> wishing they had them, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you can check out Gumleaf USA. But I got to ask, black ash is critically endangered? Yeah. Is it like locally critically endangered or just the species no. as a whole is not critically endangered, is it? It is. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, it, it did make a list in like 2019 or 2018 maybe. Um, and I think there was, I think all five species in this area um all five species of ash right so it's americana uh pennsylvanica nigra profunda <laughs> and there's a one that's not in new york called quadradia he's just showing off quadrad quadrangulata there we go quadrangulata okay. um but uh but i we weren't able to find that one but um yeah so all of those were on like a national list i believe because of the ash borer i believe so oh uh, yeah. okay it's right. crazy. Uh, I have ashes in my front yard and my backyard at my apartment, not not actually at my house. But um, it's crazy to see them just like dying off. We actually right. have one completely dead one next to a, a a healthy one right now, and then in our front yard we have like three dead ones that are leaning over, and they're about to crush a bunch of people's cars in the parking Whoa. lot. It's I don't know why they let them go this long, but <laughs> dead ashes can be a detriment to your health. So so maybe get rid of them. <laughs> So I just mentioned the ash borer. I, I'm imagining a lot of our listeners know, but for those that don't, the ash borer is a, an insect that's introduced and it's really decimating yeah. ashes. I remember first hearing about it about like a, a decade ago mm -hmm. when I was working with Ecology and Environment because we set up a bunch of ash borer traps and that wasn't to stop the ash borer. Right. It was to find out where the ash borer had gotten to it, because you, you, it. you can't stop it. Yeah, yeah. it's here. Um, but you know what? Future episode for sure. 100% future episode. Good idea. Yeah. yeah. But circling back to Gumleaf Boots, <laughs> <laughs> I did. And you know what? And if this is your first episode and you're like, what is going on with these people? They're going all over the place. That's every episode, right? right? This isn't like an exception or anything. So, yeah. So if you're going to keep listening, just get ready for something like yeah, that to happen. Just know this is how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the boots, I was checking out the Gumleaf USA website because uh -huh. I wanted to see if they had boots that were for warmer weather. Mm. And they actually do. I didn't realize this previously. They have neoprene lined boots for colder weather, but then they have cotton lined boots for warmer weather. Oh, okay. Because I, I have used my Royal Zips. Great boot. Lots of great features to it. I've used it for so many different things. Mm -hmm. But just this year, we've had them for a few years now, just this year when temperatures are getting into the 80s for bird banding, oh, yeah. they were a little warm. <laughs> um, never had that problem before, even in temps in the 70s. But just when it kind of gets extremely hot for around here, I was wishing I had a boot that was a little cooler. And you know, I think I have the field welly. I think that one is one of the ones that's a bit thinner. So and maybe uh, that's cotton lined. I mean, because I was out in pretty warm weather. You know, I was sweating profusely, but I don't remember my feet really contributing to that at all. So, so check out Gumleaf USA. And if you are a patron of the podcast, you get free shipping on every order. And once you become a patron, that offer code is available on the Patreon website. Mm -hmm. So just scroll for it. You'll find it. Check out gumleafusa.com. All right, let's get back to Apiliones. Mm -hmm. So 
I mentioned that the long-legged daddy long legs in Apiliones, they're just part of the picture. Mm -hmm. In this order, there's also tiny short-legged species, as well as large, colorful, tropical species. You can have ones with bodies that are covered in crazy knobs and spines. There's species that live deep in caves that lack eyes and pigmentation. There's some species that disguise themselves as lumps of dirt. What? They have special adaptations that accumulate bits of soil. So we're going to get more into that. Whoa. I've seen another invertebrate do that. You've yep. seen these... Um... I think they would be considered kissing bugs. They're again, they're another true bug. Okay. Sometimes people will find them in their apartments and they're just covered with dust and everything else that you'd find in the apartment. Cause I, I've seen them out in the woods before and they look one way. And then I've seen them in my apartment. <laughs> this was back when, when I lived more in the city of Buffalo. And it was just, it was right near our shoes. It was just covered in like little grains of dust and stuff. Maybe it was just, so funny to see. It just means you're living in a filthy apartment. I get, the thing is like, <laughs> I consider myself a relatively like clean person, really? but this thing, oh, I mean, I, you are. You, I don't really have you come over to my house. Right? <laughs> but, I mean, I don't present myself as a clean person, but my living space is typically clean. So. Oh, Violet found a daddy long. No day. way. All right. We'll get back to the, the cleanliness of Steve's apartment. <laughs> She's climbing a tree? All right, Violet found us a daddy long leg. Uh, way up there. Oh, right up there. See him? Oh, yep. Yeah. So he is trucking up a tree. Wow, he's about 10 feet up now. So yeah, too high for us to reach. Nice uh -huh. job, Violet. Thank yeah, you. thank you. <laughs> so what genus is that probably in, Steve? I, I could, if, if you asked me this a second after you had said it out loud, I couldn't have given you the answer. <laughs> I was just frantically searching I mean, my notes. And, and I feel like you barely said it right. If, if there Leo was a right Bunham. Leo Bunham. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I almost think you're, the way you're saying it, it makes me sound like that's not the way you pronounce it <laughs> because you're like Leo Bunham. Leo Bunham. I feel like maybe? it should like roll off the tongue easier or right. something like if I, I couldn't say that right either but i feel like there is a proper way to say it i, I did just look can't it up that out. on i did look up online how to pronounce this yeah and nothing came up so <laughs> i mean it's a dead language i'm just saying it with authority yeah <laughs> all right anything else to say about the cleanliness of your apartment no i think we're good <laughs> okay so we're going to get into the the other apiliones species uh with kind of the the crazy adaptations but for now i just want to talk about the long-legged species why do they have long legs? What is, what is the benefit of that adaptation? Some species, their legs are 20 times longer than their body. Wow. So like most things, we don't know. Hmm. We're not sure. The main hypothesis that I've come across says it has to do with males competing with males. Hmm. So the length of the legs, maybe it has to do with sexual selection. But I came across some in interesting hypotheses. One, talks about the SLIP model, S-L-I-P, which stands for Spring-Loaded Inverted Pendulum. Oh, wow. And this has to do with locomotion. Okay. So someone created a model, and it showed that the bouncing of this body suspended from long legs converts into potential energy, and that they can store this in their cuticle covering their body, which is somewhat elastic, and then it's converted into forward momentum. Hmm and it provides them with fast and efficient running. Interesting. Okay. 
Another idea, long legs could also equal a very small footprint on the ground, footprint in quotes. By keeping your body off the ground, mm-hmm. you're less likely to be directly attacked by predators like ants. Hmm. Okay. okay, I mean, that makes sense in a, yep. in a way. It's harder to, to crawl up you if, mm-hmm. if you're not really touching the ground with that much. And there's less of you in contact with the ground, right? Right. Tropical biologists have observed some long-legged species in South America hanging from vegetation. Now, again, they don't make silk, so they're just hanging by a leg right. with their legs widely spread out possibly simulating the radial structure of a spider's web. Hmm. Are they trying to capture live prey? Are they using those long legs as a way to capture live prey? You know, hearing these sometimes makes me think we like to come up with evolutionary stories. <laughs> and uh, right, and that's they're why... hard to, to I, I hate using the word prove, but it's hard to prove that any of these are true. And we just have to accept that sometimes, so there's many forces in evolution, right? Yeah but selection's only one of them, and it's the only one that's non-random. There can also be many random forces of evolution, and maybe their legs are long for no real reason. It could just have happened. So that's important to remember that it's fun to come up with evolutionary stories, but we can't for sure say that's why. This happened because of this. Right, right. It may have just evolved, it's not detrimental, so it stuck around, Right. right? And the ends of the long legs are also prehensile. They can curl them around twigs. Ooh, So I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So maybe they're just adaptations for clambering around in tangled hmm. vegetation. We typically hear the word prehensile when we think of like tails. Tails, like right. a, like a Like a, a, a possum's like tail. A, oh, an opossum's tail. Okay, I was thinking like a some type of monkey or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, monkeys. Some of you may call them possums instead of... Monkeys? Opossum. <laughs> Opossum. <laughs> Or monkeys. <laughs> but to circle back to our initial claim of whether they're poisonous or venomous, we're going to answer that now, but why don't we walk a little bit? Because I know Violet's getting a little anxious to, to get moving. <laughs> right. Been standing for every time I interrupt her father, I think Violet gets a little bit more bored. <laughs> She's like, no, now we have to be here for a little bit longer. <laughs> All right. So most of the species within Apiliones are omnivorous. So they're eating primarily small insects and then bits of plant material and fungi. But this is the only order of arachnid where bits of solid food are swallowed. Oh. Almost all the others, like spiders and scorpions, feed only on liquids, so they must digest their prey externally by regurgitating enzymes and then sucking up the resulting soup. Gross. Which sounds awesome, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but to talk about the, the daddy long legs that we typically see around here. For spiders, everything is a Capri Sun. <laughs> <laughs> everything a, a juice pouch. <laughs> right? <laughs> so the one we just saw climbing up the tree, the Laobunum, that's the genus. They feed mostly on deco- decomposing plant and animal material. They're mostly scavengers. They can take live prey, but when they do, it's usually something that's dying or relatively small and defenseless. Mm-hmm. But they have no injectable toxins. They don't have venom glands. Hmm. They don't even have fangs. So the claim does not apply to Apiliones. And even our, our local species, it wouldn't apply to them. Mm-hmm. But are they poisonous? <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> We'll get into that a little bit later, all right? But I wanted to talk more about the whole order of Piliones. Okay. Because they have some crazy specializations. So, there's two European species I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. The first one, I'm going to try to say this name. (laughs) 
I even practiced this. Escyroprosalis helwigii. Okay. <laughs> At least helwigii was easy enough. We're going to stick with that, the, the species epithet, helwigii. Okay. And then there's another one, Trigulus tricarinatus. That's easier. Mm-hmm. They're specialists on snails, hmm. and they use two strikingly different strategies to attack. So the helwigii, I have a picture here because I wanted you to see. What? <laughs> Isn't it looks that like a... I, I, if if I didn't know better, I I would think I'm looking at like a lobster. Right. So the chelicerae on the Helwigii species. That looks like the lobster claws. Those <laughs> so are. The, 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 so what we were talking about the chelicerae, uh, those are like right near the mouth, but they look like lobster claws, yeah. and they even have the spikes, you know, like kind of lobsters do. Yeah. Oh, geez. Isn't that crazy? So those are their jaws. What? They're as long or longer than their whole body. And they use these to break off pieces of snail shell wow. until they can expose these succulent morsels inside. And then they go to town eating the inside of the snail. That's crazy. Yeah. Why it, is everything evolving to become a crab? <laughs> right? <laughs> why, why is that so good? Well, they're all arthropods, right? <laughs> so this is a close-up. I mean, you can see, and folks, we'll, we'll post this in the episode notes. You can see it's like a daddy long leg body. Okay. But I mean, arguably. Arguably, so, yeah. yeah. But on the front, folks, it looks like you've taken a, a black daddy long leg and then attached lobster claws to the front of it. Right. right. And and as someone that does my education, a lot of it is in genetics. It's almost like we've done this with flies, right? So we, we mix up some of these like development genes and suddenly they're growing eyes on their forehead instead of antennae. Yeah. Instead of antennae. So this is what looks like happened but just in nature instead of happening in a lab it looks like it grew its legs out of its head which is amazing it looks like a mad scientist created it yeah this thing looks nuts (laughs) so those are the jaws now folks when we talk about the chelicerae when you've seen close-ups of a spider's face i guess you could say Mm -hmm. you see the eyes on top and then there's those those two structures kind of where its mouth should be they almost look like two rugby balls like kind of elongated <laughs> i was trying to think of a better way to describe okay, it yep. but kind of like furry rugby balls next to each other those are the jaws of the chelicerae <laughs> fangs are often attached to those depending on your species so if you look steve i mean the jaws are just longer and those are the fangs on the end yeah okay so they are just specially adapted jaws wow and those are just for just cracking the shell off of yes. uh, off of snails i would hate wow. to be that snail <laughs> i mean you i'm sure if you're what's a snail, happening you, right now <laughs> You wouldn't even realize you're a snail, I'm right. sure. <laughs> so the other species, Trigulus trichironatus, the description said they're even more insidious. They actually push their way into the shell. What? This one is short-legged. It has this elongated body. It just pushes its way into a snail shell and eats the occupant. Wow. And then the females, when they're done, they lay their eggs inside the shell. That's disgusting. So this is a daddy short legs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's other species called the stignids. That's a, a South American family. Okay. They have elongate pedipalps. So remember, pedipalps are those things that look like legs. They're kind of shorter legs mm-hmm. attached to the And, and they're more for like shoving food into their mouth. Right. So this species, they've evolved for their pedipalps are extremely long with a spiky hand at the tip, quote unquote, which they can use to grab prey items at a distance. I have another picture. Look at that. What? Oh my God. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, Again, it looks like a daddy long leg where two pairs of its legs, extremely long, have like these crazy, almost cartoonish claws on the end. Do you know what they look like? Do you know those little, um, they have a little trigger on one end and then it's a long stick and then it's like a shark head on the end. 
and you can like grab stuff with yeah. them, right? That's what it, what it like. looks like, but it's a, a jointed version of that. So it's not just a single stick. And attached the stick to the, has a has like a bend in it. It's attached like, to the front end of a daddy yeah, long leg. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said like the more I delved into this, I'm like, man, I could do a few episodes on these. Right. So these guys, they're all relatively small though, so they, they are preyed upon by lots of other animals, amphibians, reptiles, birds. Mm-hmm. Now, our local genus, again, Leo Bonum, they can quickly drop off a leg or two if attacked. Right, deciduous legs, right? Deciduous legs, that's right. Yeah. That's how Wayne Gall referred to it in our Winter Insects episode. Do you know, I think one of, my, one of our patrons brought up deciduous legs to me. I think, Le- so Wayne brought it up, Yeah. but also one of our patrons did. It's actually a guy we read off all the time. We named the dog Indy. He brought it up to me and I'm like, did Wayne say deciduous legs? And, and I must have forgotten, and, and I, I looked it up afterwards. Because uh, you even stopped him and asked. I yeah. remember that part. You're like, really? Yeah. I remember thinking, you're questioning Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw that ability referred to as autospacy. Hmm. The leg does keep twitching to distract the predator. I didn't know this. The legs have their own breathing pores Whoa. to supply oxygen to the muscles so they can continue <laughs> twitching. Okay. Can those legs be regenerated? I would assume not. No. I just assume they're too short-lived, so yeah. why would they grow legs back? They can't be regenerated, and if they lose too many, it could be fatal, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Just to talk a little bit more about some of the other adaptations of other species, there are some hard-bodied tropical harvestman species that have bodies and legs that feature needle-sharp spikes, <laughs> uh, and that's really to make them unpleasant to eat. There's one tropical family, oh. the Gonileptidae, that have these greatly enlarged fourth legs. So the pair of fourth hmm. legs armed with stout spines and they can actually bring them together to give a nasty pinch. So they can hurt oh. a person. Again, not venomous, <laughs> right. all right? There's no venom in there, but it's just a physical uh, pinch. So if I punched you, would I be poisonous? <laughs> I'd be toxic, don't get me wrong, but. <laughs> it may be better not to be caught at all though. So there's some species living in the litter of the forest that have these structures that accumulate dirt and bits of debris. We were talking about this a minute ago. Uh-huh. So they have short curved setae. Do you know what setae are? It's a hair, right? It's All right, now, I have always <laughs> wondered about this because people have asked, you know, do insects have hair? I've always said no, but then someone brings up bees and I'm like, I don't think that's technically hair. I, I think the little, the little, um, I think on the inside of some pitcher plants, I. For some reason, I thought they were called setae, but maybe it's trichomes, a type of trichome or something. All right, well, I, f- I found out, at least regarding insects mm-hmm. and arachnids. So we have hair, hair is made of keratin. Okay. Right, same stuff as your nails. That's what mammals have. In insects, they call it setae because it's made out of something different. It's made out of chitin. Okay, chitin. So that's a fibrous substance, fibrous. Right. Like That's it, what their exoskeleton's made out of. Too, right. right? Yeah. So that, it's made of polysaccharides and it forms the major constituent, as you just said, in the exoskeleton of arthropods. They can use it to produce hair-like structure, setae. Oh. And it's also is the major component of the cell walls of fungi, which I didn't know. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. All right, so these glandular bumps on these harvestmen secretes a glue, or in the case of, there's a genus in California called ortholasma, there's, they create a curious grid work made from what are called three-armed tubercles. These Tubercles. Tubercles, these structures that it's almost like they're struts above the body and they collect this material so they just makes them blend in totally into their environment. Wow. So 
Because a lot of times, if a predator and it's a sticky this, substance that's on the top of these things, they secrete this sticky substance, and yep. that just picks up debris and other yeah. stuff. Wow! So it makes them hard to see. I mean, they're already hard to see. They blend in pretty well. Right. If they're not moving, they're tough to see. But if they have all this debris attached to them, it makes them even harder. Right. <laughs> the one thing I was reading, it said, it also makes it extremely difficult for a biologist to collect them. <laughs> <laughs> and that may explain why it's only now that so many new species are being described. Right. Because they've been so hard to find. Some do have defensive secretions. So now we're getting hmm. back to okay. harvestmen, apilinids. They're not venomous. Yeah. But are they poisonous? They do have defensive secretions. Some species have a, pa a pair of pores called ozipores near the front of the body. <laughs> These are, in some references, are actually referred to as stink glands. Hmm. And they can produce an array of noxious chemicals. So the exact chemistry varies from group to group. Our local guys, <laughs> lay... I'm not <laughs> They produce I'm going to fail that every time. <laughs> they produce alcohols and other organic compounds. So one source said they have an aroma like very old, very dirty socks. Gross. And some do produce corrosive compounds or poisonous alkaloids. Hmm. So there are poisonous. some apilinids where they are producing defensive de secretions that are poisonous. But again, poisonous to who? Right. They're really not going to be poisonous, poisonous enough to harm people. How many daddy long legs do I have to eat to, to get truly poisoned? Right. And, for, you know, for someone to really consider me poisoned. Well, the poison is in the dose, right? <laughs> right. So God, that sounds like a nightmare. Some harvestmen create a cloud of this volatile repellent around themselves. Some can actually squirt the secretion as a jet or a fine mist. Ew. But again, not really toxic to humans <laughs> right now our local guys our local species did you know that they do mass together sometimes in large numbers like have you ever heard about this i, I haven't seen it and i haven't i don't think i've heard about it either. okay no. so it occurs most often in cold weather as they're seeking their wintering locations <laughs> this kind of aggregation of them it might be just accidental just all of them <laughs> oops locally coming <laughs> together they're in a big cuddle puddle together well, some people might say oh they're they're coming together as a defensive mechanism they're okay. kind of safety in numbers Right, but and I'm it sure might the, just be accidental. And I'm sure the ones in the middle have the biggest benefit because um, obviously like airflow is more blocked off for them. And I'm sure that that's the safest position to be on the inside of the, the, the cuddle. You know? But supposedly when they get together like this, if like you get close, or you start to mess with someone, they'll mm -hmm. start bouncing up and down oh. together. Hmm. And you'll get this pulsating mass, which Sounds horrible. different sources were wondering like, is this a defensive posture is it trying to startle or scare off predators who knows is it a rave <laughs> <laughs> some of them have little glow sticks that... <laughs> and you do have to imagine that if you have hundreds of daddy long legs all emitting their defensive secretions at the same time oh yeah that's definitely going to be a def better defense than just one or a few doing it yeah all right so to circle back to what we started with this idea of a daddy long leg being the most poisonous spider but that its fangs are just too short. So, crane flies, definitely not. Nope. They can't even eat stuff usually besides nectar. Mm -hmm. um, they have no way to deliver poison. They have no venom glands. Then the group of true spiders. The falsids. The falsids. That is probably the most likely source because there's a species of falsid spider in Australia that eats redback spiders. Okay. Redback spiders, their venom is toxic to humans. Okay. So it makes sense that if people saw these fulcid spiders eating redback spiders, 
thinking they must be even more poisonous, right? (laughs) So some people think that may be where this idea started. Right. And then since fulcids are called daddy long leg spiders Uh and our species here, the apillinids, that name sticks to them as well, that there was just some confusion there. Now I saw a couple references where they said arachnologists try to- I love that that's, I never, I've, this is gonna sound crazy. I've never heard that name before. Arachnologist. Arachnologist. Honestly, I don't know if I've heard either. <laughs> but they tried to counter this by saying, well, we can just call fulcids daddy long leg spiders and that'll clear it up. Oh, got it. <laughs> it's like, nice but, try nerds, that's not gonna work. And I'll, yeah, maybe to someone that knows what a spider is, that might work. Right. But. And then there's that last group, the group that's most widely called daddy long legs, what we think of as daddy long legs. They don't have fangs, they don't have venom. It doesn't apply to them. Yes, they do have some defensive secretions, but not toxic to us humans. All right, so myth busted. <laughs> myth busted. <laughs> right. All right, so folks, we hope you enjoyed that episode. And what we need to do now, we need to thank our newest PayPal donation from Brandy B in Tulsa. Thank you, Brandy. Brandy, thank you for supporting us through PayPal. And I do want to mention our iTunes, our most recent iTunes reviewers, BioNerd Brit. Pete Ryan 04106, Colio 8888, and then did you see the one from Oroville Golf? No. He gave a great review talking about how whenever he's listening to our podcast, he's constantly spinning around looking for things because he'll hear the footsteps and he thinks <laughs> someone is walking behind him, or he'll hear the Canada geese in the background and he'll be scanning the sky <laughs> looking for Canada geese. Uh-huh. So he recommends anyone who listens to our podcast outside only have one earbud in <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so they can tell the difference. <laughs> so I love that. Thanks for that review. So folks, if you'd like to support the podcast, one of the best ways to do it is by becoming a patron. And you can do that at patreon.com. Just look up the field guides. And we appreciate all of our patrons, but our top patrons, we like to take a moment in each episode and thank them by name. But today we are going to do that at the very end of the episode. (laughs) Violet, she's smiling at me right now because she knows what I'm going to say. Violet, you're going to be reading our list of top patrons for us, right? Okay. (laughs) We're going to do that at the end of the episode. But if you're like Steve and you can't financially support a podcast, Mm -mm. then what you can do is share the podcast with friends, leave a review of our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. That does help get our podcast out to other people who might be interested in it. And again, make sure to check out gumleafusa.com. And uh, if you're a patron, remember you do get free shipping. So just look on our Patreon page for that. And folks, don't forget to check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all our social media feeds. You can email us at thefieldguides at gmail.com. Feel free to share with us episode ideas. We've gotten lots of good episode ideas from fans. So we'll be covering those in the future. Thanks for those folks. Mm -hmm. Also feel free to share criticisms we're happy to take in constructive criticism yeah honestly actually instead of telling us just give us a one-star review on itunes don't don't leave a comment just the one-star review don't say anything we do get some of those yeah that happens yeah (laughs) and folks i keep forgetting to mention don't forget to check out and pick up field guides merch at our teespring store oh yeah i think we yeah we never mentioned that yeah and lastly parents Don't forget, get those kids outside, let them get muddy, let them get dirty, let them flip over rocks and logs. And for those of you without any kids, don't forget to get yourselves outside. Enjoy the great outdoors. All right, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yep, see you guys next month. All right, as promised, here is Violet reading our list of patrons. We want to say thank you to, take it away, Violet. Eric, Alyssa, the Hebranks, Todd, Callie, Sean C., Rich, Jessica, 
Michelle, the drunk phytologist, Orange Julian, Dan, Diane, Ken, Jake, Melissa and Dusty Arizona, Celia, Kelly, Sarah, Andy, Helen, MD, Judy, Ben, Andrew, Lauren, Jane, Doodle Dude 82, Gail and Mac, Kazzies, Jeff, Goose Egg, Esther, John W, Bethany, we named the dog Indy, Rob, Jonathan A, Hannah, Sean. <laughs> nice job, kiddo. Folks, thank you for your support. I know I speak for Steve when I say your support each month means the world to us. Thank you. It allows us to do more things with the podcast, and we have some great things coming up this summer because of your support. Thanks so much, folks. See you next time.